Christchurch, New Malden, Sunday the 23rd of April 2023, 9.30 service. Katie Loffman speaking on The Resurrection in Luke. Well, when Stephen asked me to preach on the resurrection as it's accounted in Luke, I had a look at Luke and I was surprised to see that there was no account of the resurrection in Luke. People go to the tomb, but they don't see Jesus. They don't meet a gardener with a rather familiar voice. They certainly don't see a huge explosion of light and glory and stones being moved or anything like that. Luke's account of the resurrection is the discovery of an absence, finding a tomb with no dead body in it, nothing to see. And then Luke focuses in the rest of the chapter on two occasions when Jesus was seen, on the road to Emmaus and in the upper room. And on both those occasions, Jesus emphasises how his resurrection is a fulfilment of the Old Testament. So verse 27, he says to the couple on the road to Emmaus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And then in verse 44, to the disciples in the upper room, Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law, of the, the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So what's Luke trying to tell us about Jesus? Well, the first Old Testament reference that Luke makes is from the angels. Well, I said there was nothing to see in the tomb, but there were actually two angels there, which I suppose is quite spectacular, really. Um, but they meet the, woman, the women at the tomb, and they refer to Jesus as the Son of Man. And that's the title that Jesus sometimes called himself, and it comes from the book of Daniel. So by using that title, they're connecting Jesus with something that Daniel tells us. Well, if you think of the book of Daniel, it starts off with a terrible situation, the defeat of God's people. And the brightest and the best of them, including Daniel, carried off into exile as prisoners of the mighty Babylonian Empire. But a theme emerges through a number of visions. The decadent, materialistic empires of the world are being destroyed. All that excess and oppression is coming to an end. All that injustice destroyed. Instead, authority is given to the Son of Man to rule over the whole world forever, worshipped by all. He rescues the world from evil just as God rescued Daniel from the den of lions. So when the angels in the tomb call Jesus the Son of Man, they're saying that he is the everlasting King of glory who rescues and saves. And here he is, gone. Because although he was overcome by evil, just as Daniel and his people were overcome by evil, apparently defeated. Now he has himself been rescued from death by God. So Jesus, in his death and resurrection, represents Israel, attacked and defeated by the evil powers of the world, but rescued by God. And now, as the risen Son of Man, in all his power and glory, he in turn rescues the world from evil and gathers it in as his everlasting kingdom. 
And that's what the angels meant when they called Jesus the Son of Man. And in that, he was fulfilling those prophecies in the book of Daniel. Jesus was the archetypal perfect human who fulfilled the scriptures by representing us and facing evil on our behalf. So that means that even though we still experience evil, we don't have to let it get the better of us. We can claim that victory that he won on our behalf and that can give us hope. It means that if we're facing death, whether that's the death of someone we love or our own death, we know it's not the end. If we're full of guilt and regret, we know that God can still love us and forgive us because he's overcome that guilt. If we're beaten down by circumstances that we find ourselves in, we know that Jesus is right there alongside us, sharing the suffering and taking the sting out of it. Even in the darkest times, he gives us glimmers of hope, moments of redemption, proof of his love and his ultimate rescue. Later in the chapter, we see Jesus walking to Emmaus with two of his disciples. and They haven't recognised him, but he takes the opportunity to explain to them exactly who he is. Luke says that beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. There are specific prophecies in the Old Testament which Jesus' life and death and his resurrection seem to fulfil. And we have heard one of those in the first reading from Isaiah. But there's also a sense in which Jesus is the fulfilment of the whole of the law and everything that the prophets were saying. After all, what was the purpose of the law? It was to tell people how to recognise the difference between right and wrong. It was to show people the right way to live and how to be close to God. As God's own people, the Jews could have been a shining example to the rest of the world, living a good life in harmony with God and blessing the world through their relationship with him, serving the world like a servant. But we know from the prophets that they constantly failed and they fell short of that ideal. All through the Old Testament, the prophets were forever calling Israel to turn back to God. And God provided a way back for the Israelites through sacrifice. The animal sacrifices set out in the Old Testament law atoned for people's sins and expressed their thanksgiving and their praise. And then Jesus fulfilled those sacrifices in his own death, his own sacrifice his death on the cross. And that sacrifice atoned for all sin, everywhere. His is the sacrifice that all of those other ones symbolised and looked forward to. They only worked because his own sacrifice was coming. And people at the time didn't realise how they worked, but they did them out of faith. They had to trust God's law that he would honour that. So what's the parallel for us? We don't know much about what God's future kingdom will be like, but just like those Israelites, we're called to act out of faith, to live out an example of that future kingdom, to do things that will give people a preview of that kingdom, its values and its realities. 
We don't know how it will work in practice, but like the Israelites, we follow what God's told us. And in our case, we have Jesus' example to look to, and we have faith that just as Jesus fulfilled the old covenant between God and his people, he will also fulfill what he's told us of the new covenant that we live under now. And the reason we can have faith is because of Jesus and his resurrection. That's the proof. In one of Jesus' parables, a rich man says that someone should rise from the dead and then everyone would believe. Well, Jesus did, so we can believe. That's something that we can hang on to as an assurance that what Jesus taught was true. But we also need to look at the world through the eyes of faith. We need to be actively searching for signs of resurrection and signs of hope here in the world. Just as there were things in the Old Testament that gave a foretaste of Jesus, so there are things in today's world that give a foretaste of Jesus' new kingdom. And our job, like those Old Testament people, is to embody them and preserve them to bless the world. So where can we see signs of the resurrection and God's kingdom breaking into our world right now? Well, I was at the London Book Fair this week and I was thinking, where can I see resurrection here in this trade fair at Olympia? Well, resurrection means life and rebirth. So did I see that at the book fair? Well, here are a few things that I did see. The book fair was bursting with life. Thousands of publishers, authors and booky people, tens of thousands of books and illustrations, published ones and new ones not yet published. There was a huge amount of creativity there, not only in the writing and the artwork, but in the displays and the meetings and the seminars. The whole thing is a creative celebration of creativity. And creativity is an attribute of God. That's how the world was made. And creativity is one of the ways in which we're made in God's image. And creativity is the opposite of death. Creativity is a bringing to life of ideas and it's the way that we shape the world through our creativity. Creativity is the opposite of death. So yes, I saw resurrection in the creativity at the book fair. Another thing I saw was a lot of hope and purpose. It's a place where people display the new things that they're working on and they hope that each one will be a success. The publishers are hoping for good sales and every meeting is premised on the hope that the, a deal will be made. The authors and the illustrators are hoping for a publisher for their next book. Everyone is hoping for good things from every meeting and every conversation whether that's a sale or some work or just a catch up with an old colleague. A book fair is a very hopeful and purposeful place. And hope is very much an attribute of the new creation. We live our whole lives in the hope that we are helping to build God's kingdom. It's hope which enables us to keep to that purpose despite a lack of understanding of it. So when we embody that wholesome hope in our business dealings and our relationships, we're giving a little preview of God's kingdom. So yes, I saw resurrection in the hope that I experienced and that I saw at the book fair. And the other thing I saw was love 
a love of books, a love of storytelling, a love of the book industry, people loving their work, people meeting old friends. All these were very visible, and all of these are gifts from God. He made us creative, and he made us to work. So we love it when we fulfill our purpose in that way. And it gives us another insight into the kingdom, a place where we'll be fully human, expressing all of those attributes in the way that God meant us to. So yes, I saw resurrection there too, in the love that makes things meaningful and enables us to triumph over the things that would drag us down. But of course, the kingdom of God is not fully formed at the London Book Fair. It's not a version of heaven quite yet. And there is also the flip side of all those things present as well. Creativity channeled into inappropriate things that don't bring glory to God. Not only hope, but desperation. And instead of love, people left to feel on the outside, fed up and jaded. The reality of life in the here and now is that both are present all the time, the good things and the bad things. And it's up to us which one we see and which one we focus on and which one we draw attention to. Where do you see resurrection in your own life? Where is God's kingdom infusing your situation, perhaps with creativity or hope or love? Because it is... We just have to get used to recognising it. Is there a problem that's slowly being resolved? Is God providing just enough for your needs in this time of rising costs of living? Is there healing taking place in your life? Or creativity? Or hope? Well, those are signs of the kingdom that will be fulfilled in the future, just like Jesus fulfilled the sacrifices of old. On the other hand, you may be sitting there thinking that your situation is hopeless and you don't see any of those things. And if that's the case, and sometimes it does feel like that, then what we can do is pray that God will have the victory in your life, that he will break the powers of those things that have, that, that God will break the power that those things have over you at this moment. Because God is a God who rescues, as he shows us in the book of Daniel. Jesus is the son of man who's rescued the world from evil, and he can rescue us. And when we see that, it's a prophecy of his kingdom. We are living out a prophecy that Jesus will fulfill in the future, just as he fulfilled the law and the prophets when he was here on earth the first time. <laughs>